Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me, See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is uh, Hear Me, See Me podcast for Stuart with a really inspiring guest today. Um, Jodie Keegans is someone I heard speak just before the lockdown. I was at a um, hairdressing charity, hair and beauty charity fundraising event, and uh, she spoke and she literally blew me away with uh, her strength and courage. And she's she's agreed to do the podcast, so I'm really, really privileged to get her story on here. And uh, hello, Jodie. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I hope we're all doing well in lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, keeping sane, are we? Oh, yeah, trying our best, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we... What I do, rather than I'm going to put an intro on 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 the podcast, you know, of, of your you know, like your story and that. So okay. you can just really literally just tell us your story. Okay, no problem. So um, I will say uh, that there is some obsessive material in it, but it is my story, yeah. so um, yeah. it is what it is. To be quite it honest, it needs with to be you. strong, doesn't it, to get oh, the yeah, message across? So, so I will, I will prepare people that it is. Yeah, uh, it's, well, it's not know, a Disney film. Not, put it that not, way. <laughs> yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, so I, uh, my name's Jodie Keegan's, and um, I was in a high-risk domestic abuse relationship with my ex-husband. My now ex-husband. Um, we met in, two, in uh, June 2004, and that was in a nightclub in Doncaster. And when we met, he was an absolute perfect gentleman. So absolute Prince Charming, swoops off your feet, thinking, wow, this is just such a fantastic person. And we started, uh, went on a date the next day. Um, proper gentleman could not, you know, say any other. And then it escalated quite quick. He was like a few days in, he wanted to meet my mum, my dad. And then um, it wasn't long when I think back on it, because a lot of it, when I think back to it, because there's so much different things to the story, he moved into my, he actually moved into my parents' house uh, really quick because he was having some issues at home. And I just thought, oh, do you know, um, I felt really sorry for him, but it actually, when I look back on it, it actually did move into my parents' house, which actually, thinking more on it, that's probably where this control started as well, because it's a bit random, really, you know, just me, yeah. you know, and I've done just actually, because there's so many different layers to this story, that's actually just come to my head at this moment yeah. in time, which is quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, because the more that I go over it, the more that I find different stuff. 
But yeah, so we moved in and I fell um, pregnant um, with a child. Uh, unfortunately, I did lose that child. But at that point, we started buying a house together. And then um, we... I actually then fell pregnant a couple of months later, but we said that we continued, you know, buying the house, bought the house uh, together. I just thought that it was that a normal relationship, that everything was fantastic. Uh, when I look back now, he was doing a start his first like phase that he did was like isol- like basically isolating me from friends. So friends who was uh, like people I've known for a long, long time, it said, Do you know what? They're probably not a good people to hang around with, you know, they'll probably give you a bad name. And then me being me just thought, Oh yeah, maybe it's kind of right, you know. So I ended up um I did so I did and it started like pipping people off early on in the stages. So that happened and then so that's like one of the first times that I look back on the fact that he started saying on oh, about stopping me from seeing certain like friends. And then uh, bought the house um, and it was so that was okay that I've kind of thought of um, it gets to 2009 and I uh, we got married um, we had a son together another son together so this was our second child together and then he had uh, then we got we got married um, ironically uh, the I had a horror movie-themed wedding when my life turned into a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I look back on that, and that was probably not a good idea. Um, so, um, but to be fair, I always, I mean, I'm a big fan of horror films. I love them. And even now I say, do you know what? It was at the bad wedding, but I'm still glad that I managed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've not really got any issues with that. And then it was 2000 and... 12 that we had our daughter together um at that point um it was it was okay you know just sort of like not normal you know we sort of kind of relationship is that what i kind of thought it uh, still sort of didn't see that many but you know friends who i was previously you know who i saw i do now and then it really started getting bad when it was 2015. Now, my ex-husband did have a drug problem. He had a problem with cannabis. He used to smoke a hell of a lot of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And that's basically his life revolved around that. Um, he wasn't working. Uh, I was working. I worked for a big company. In I'm originally a beauty therapist, but then... I worked for a company called Sound Services, uh, which was for my salary. And I worked there 15 years. And what ended up happening was um, I'd actually been off work, but uh, due to um, health reasons, first time I'd ever been off work. But then I never came back because he didn't want me. He was used to me being off. And he thought, oh, I like this idea. Because he did used to come up at work and he would like to sort of stalk me at work and just yeah. turn up or ring up and want to know what I was doing. And then he'd always say, oh, it's not an input. Always take down, play my job, what I was doing, saying that, oh, it's, you don't do anything. When when you work in retail, it's a different concept. You are very busy. Yeah. And it was a very busy branch that I worked in. So it was always, his stuff was more important than my stuff, um, quite standard, but... And then um, he started... So 2015 was... I noticed that it really declined. Then it got to 2016, and that's when it went really, really 
staggeringly bad and it gets even worse. Um, he first physically assaulted me, I believe, in the picture. I can't actually remember what it was about. And I was really shocked at that. Um, and he then that, that continued. Once that, that mark of yeah. hitting somebody, it just continued and it never stopped. So that would be rather extremely often that that would happen, like quite a few times a week. Um, my, unfortunately, uh, he had stopped me from seeing my mum and dad, so I wasn't seeing my mum and my dad. Um, and then it ended up happening where he didn't want to let people around the house. Uh, it was just literally us. And then one of the things that he did do for quite a number of years, which is quite strange, I understand it now, but at the time I didn't. A lot of it I don't understand at the time, but now I do. Uh, we had to sleep downstairs in the living room. So for quite a few years, it was, um, we'd have to sleep downstairs in the living room so we knew where we was all the time. That was me and my three children. Oh, you and the kids? Yeah, like yeah, you. me and the children, yeah. We had to all sleep in the... So what, even though we, we had a three-bedroom house, yeah. we had to sleep... A bit mad, really. We had to sleep downstairs in the living room, so... What, him as well? Yeah, yeah. So he'd be on the settee with my daughter... And then I would be uh, in making like a makeshift bed, what I'd make out to be out at settee, use back cushions, and like make it almost like a little mattress. So there'd be me and one of my other sons in that bit, and then we'd have a mattress, which we'd have to bring downstairs every day, which is a nightmare, um, and make a, a bed there. So we had to, all of us had to sleep downstairs, and that was so we knew exactly where we was all the time. There's, there's no logic in it because no, it's an absolute nightmare. No. It just uh, it was like a refugee camp every morning down in, you know. But yeah. it, and it it was mad, really, when I look back on it. Didn't think I, I should have really thought more on it, but you don't ever see it when no. you're in that relationship. It you creeps up, doesn't it? That's the thing, isn't mm. it? It's, yeah. yeah, and uh, so it was like mobile phones. I wasn't allowed uh, to go on Facebook. Mm. Um, I wasn't, but uh, at that point, if I had a mobile, I did I'd have access to a mobile phone because the amount of mobile phones that you smashed out of anger. Uh, he ended up, uh, he had a mobile phone. He would have it all the time, like a smartphone. And he'd look to see, do you know, whether I've been on it, do you know, the battery had gone down in the night, if it'd been moved a tiny little bit, why it had been moved, things like that, which was really strange. And, um, I mean, like, what I always emphasise is that anything would have made him lose his uh, temper. Anything from, like, the coffee, the coffee had to be made a certain way. It had to be carton or coffee. That's why I find it quite funny, the fact that they don't have carton or coffee in, in prison now, so I really enjoy coffee. <laughs> they get a nice coffee. It's ironic. Uh, so, I... And, like, with the coffee situation, um, it had to be a certain cup, a certain spoon. It had to be cotton or coffee. The, uh, there was an angle that the spoon had to be. And uh, the coffee had to be a certain level taste, a teaspoon. And then it had to be filled up to the neck of the coffee. Uh, the, that, uh, that kettle had just had to be boiled. And if this coffee wasn't to his high standard, then he just used to throw it in, across the room and, you know, like, and then he'd marry me for wasting coffee. And it's like, well, no, do you know. you for wasting coffee. Yeah. Anything would be my fault, you know, same as food. Anything yeah. could be a, an absolute nightmare. Even, I remember we, had, we were really struggling on money. I mean, the amount of times that um, 
we were struggling on, on money because if we used any kind of like money that came in for my benefits or anything like that, he would, uh, he'd have like, he'd own money, you know, to drug um, people. So it would go and it, like, the bills wasn't getting paid. Um, but it was like, I used to have £20 a week to do a full shop on. That's what I got given. So that was everything. He, he... He allowed you twenty pounds. Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. everything. For what, to feed the kids people. and everything. That, yeah, and that's including like washing stuff. Um, and it was. I used to have to lend money uh, when I, I was only allowed to see my parents if it was to ask to lend money, and I was always on a time limit. So if I was ever allowed, when it suited him then I'd only have like 30 minutes and that would be from leaving that, that house and it was probably about a good 10 minute drive to here. I wasn't even had time like to my parents' house. I wasn't even allowed to have time to have a cup of coffee. It'd be literally, if you got the money, that's it, then go. And then, and I'd have literally 30 minutes, that's it. So I couldn't even spend time. It would literally be turning up like, have you got, can I lend some money? That's it, right, here you go, right, bye. That's it, because it was all about money. Um, he did, oh, there's that many different stuff that he did. It was untrue to be quite honest with you. I still remember stuff now. Um, but it just stops you from, uh, I, you know, just control, the, the level of control was insane to be quite honest with you. Even going yeah. to the, sh if I wasn't able to go to a sh the shop, I'd be on a time limit, but he'd have to have one of the children with me and then he'd be asking the children who did mommy talk to. Um, did, did mommy talk to a man? Um, even simple things like if you're ringing up utility companies, I'd ask, if a man answered the phone, so if you're ringing up for your gas electricity, I'd be accused of having an affair with a man on the phone. God, it's delusional, it, way. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you name it, it was just absolute madness. And so it's like, I can't really sort of say to, to water people, oh, do you mind if uh, you put a lady, a woman on the phone because I'm not allowed to speak to you because you're a man. I'm not really going to, I'm just grabbing no. someone else in the car. So it was all that level of control to see how far he could push it. Uh, I mean, there's so, so many things that he, it, that he did. Even now, you know, it comes back and I think, wow. But yeah, so 2016, um, July, my sister, actually, I've got one sister and she actually died of cancer. She did, it was, um, she'd only just been diagnosed with it and she died a month later. And I wasn't allowed to go to her funeral either. Oh. So um, that was not good at all. But said, no way, hell, are you going to that funeral? So, or, he, and it was always that constant threat that he was going to do. He was always threatening what he was going to do. Yeah. He threatened many times about that he was going to disappear with the children. Um, what what, what excuse did, did you come up? Like with your parents to say why you wasn't at the funeral? It was, um, I just didn't, I think that I just didn't respond. I just, right, and yourself. it was very awkward, yeah. But so a lot of people were, I just didn't know what the hell to do, to be quite oh. honest. Um, so I, I don't really, I just sort of vanished. That's the best yeah. thing. People said, yeah. I was always on Facebook, you know, what have you, and then it was like a point of time where people were like, well, where, where, where's Jodie and Cinefages? And it just vanished. It was like, I just, even people was like messaging me saying, are you okay? Do you know, I've not seen you post anything for a long time. Do you know, yeah. a long, long time. Are you okay? And people actually did spot that and check to see if I was okay. Yeah. 
Um, but at that point as well, I was having, I was, I was constantly had bruises on me. Do you know where he'd pinch, punch me, hit me over anything? I'd have knife marks on my throat where he'd put carving knives to my throat and my arms. Um, and then it got to 2017 and then it just got really bad constantly even more you know you were just constantly isolated at home um not uh, having somebody full-blown control of your life it got to um so this was happening for months and months and months and then it got to i think it was september of 2017 when the children had gone back to school and um he was um, what did he do then? Uh, to, uh, to, uh, I'll go to school to take one of the children, uh, the younger ones, because yeah. there was like a gap between primary school and uh, high school for when, like the high school, they went in earlier in the morning, so it was a bit staggered. So he had driven to the high school to drop my old, our eldest son off, and I had, was taking, um, I was able to take the children uh, to primary school, so I took them to primary school. And they, somebody noticed that I had bruising on me. And they was also suspecting, you know, that there was something not quite amiss. But also, my five-year-old daughter, well, my daughter was five at the time. She's yeah. seven now. She actually went to school and said that Daddy's hurting Mummy by the dirty wallpaper. And that dirty wallpaper is actually in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. So that's what they uh, and school was outstanding. The primary school was amazing. They listened to my daughter and got and contacted social services and said that this girl has come, this young child has come out with this and we've actually got you know thoughts on it as well. Also, uh, there's some neighbours who lived opposite and they actually did ring social services as well because they were concerned as well with what they could hear. Um, and what they'd seen as well. So they and they also saw a decline in myself. The fact that I used to be really talkative and I never used to speak to anybody. I really I hate I wouldn't talk. I used to look at the floor all the time. I never gave anybody eye contact. Um, I declined in my appearance by a lot. Um, and they just saw that something wasn't right. The social services were then coming round uh, and doing checks, you know, coming to the house wanting to have meetings, but he wouldn't let social services um, come, you know, and have meetings. And if they ever did, then he would actually attack me and say it's my fault that social services are coming. So I was always getting the, the brunt of it when that happened. Even social services could hear, and they even said, you know what, they know that what's happening here, that every time that we've come, that it's getting worse, and they just did not know what to do. So it actually got to Christmas of 2017, and it was just uh, the week before, uh, the week of Christmas week, and um, we was actually got uh, summoned to court where social care had actually wanted us to go to court because there was one to, because there was failings of these meetings because we weren't allowed, I wasn't allowed to go and make contact. So the judge, so we're going to family court in Sheffield and the judge ruled that he had, that my ex-husband had to be removed from the house. He had to leave. So he said uh, in court, he goes, yeah, that's okay. I will do because otherwise the children would have been removed. He ended up turning to me then and saying, um, I ain't leaving. 
I thought, oh, for God's sake. And what he actually thought he could beat the system by running out the back door when they came. So that's what he was doing. So, and at that time as well, he actually, um, he used to assault me and beat me up in the car. So the car that we had at the time was a Mercedes C220 with blacked out windows. And what would happen, I remember we were coming back from court and he actually um, was beating me up in the car. Um, and I was sort of, this was going down the motorway. So I'd be going down the motorway at like 70 miles an hour and he'd be beating me up in the car. But because it was, uh, and that is so scary because you're just in a confined space, there's nothing that you could do. I'd have my head smashed against the window screen, at the uh, windows at the side. But because it's blacked out windows, people mm. can see, they can't see in, but I can see right. out. So I could see all these people, but no one could help me because they never saw the, but me in the, in the car because of the blacked out windows. Um, so then, so that week, where this is what, where it really started getting bad because he had lost power and control. And this, initially, this is what domestic abuse, the crux of it is, is power and control over somebody else. So because he had lost that power and control, he basically completely lost it. And this is when he, and for him, the most dangerous time in a domestic abuse relationship is when you leave. So this was like, for me, this leaving because of him losing that power and control. Yeah. Um, so um, on it was a Friday, and he had been in. A, he had to see the children in a contact centre, even though he had been seeing the kids. Um, yeah. He had told the children that don't make a, say that he's not seeing daddy. You know, so we had to go to a contact centre and pretend that we haven't seen him. You know, so we'd go to a contact centre. You know, come up separately. And I think that because he had to see his children in the contact centre as well, that just flamed the fire, fuel the fire, should I say. And then that evening, um, I w- a lot of the assaults did happen in the kitchen, and that does happen quite a lot because there's weapons in the kitchen as well. And that night, uh, so it was the 22nd of December 2017, he took out a rolling pin from the drawer and uh, started um, beating me with a rolling pin. And stamping on me um so that actually was a prolonged attack for two hours and then he only said that he was uh that he he only stopped when he was tired and he said right he says i'm tired now um you can go to bed so i literally stumbled into the makeshift bed on the floor and just went to sleep and thought you know what try to go to sleep and i just thought i don't want to wake up here just want to die the next morning, it was 9 o'clock in the morning, so this was December the 23rd, the first thing he did was, he said, um, get up and get in this kitchen now. And I just had to walk into the kitchen, and then he continued beating me for another two hours. So this was like a prolonged, this was like, it wasn't like a, a frenzied attack. This was sustained with a gap of going to sleep, and then continuing it again the next day. So uh, he did that, and I was in a really bad mess. And he just went, get up, go upstairs and get, tra- uh, get ready. So all the time when I had all these bruises and different stuff that's happened, I was always covering it up with clothes. So if it could be the height of the summer and I'd have a cardigan on covering bruises. But also I'm a trained makeup artist, and I can do camouflage makeup. So I used to cover my bruises with camouflage makeup. So uh, one of the th- one of the things that I did struggle with 
um, sometime in 2017, uh, he'd actually punched me so hard in the face that my cheeks split open and there was a big, very big deep cut. And I actually glued my face back together with nail glue. And then he'd actually, in tw- uh, when it was in December just before court in 2017, he'd actually ripped my ear at the top. He grabbed me uh, by the ear, ripped my ear off at the oh. top. It was a complete split in it. And um, he ended up, uh, so I had to glue that back together with semi-permanent eyelash glue, which I had. Uh, so I was sort of like fixing all these injuries. And I knew that at that, that time that I had more injuries, but I wasn't able to go to the hospital because then like they would start asking questions and I just had to deal with it. I had no pain relief. I was just having paracetamols and water bottles for my back. And I'd be always in jail, try and bring down swelling, what I had. Uh, one bit, I had like two golf balls on my face. And people said, oh, what, what happened to your face? And I just said, oh, it, it's a mouth ulcer. And it wasn't. It was, my face is actually disfigured. Even now, I've got a big scar on one, on my right side. And then it's actually, the skin's gone all funny and it's actually denting my bone in. Or I can see it feel on my skull that the bone is not correct on like my jaw. Yeah. And at one bit, I had actually thought that I dislocated my jaw because he had punched me so much in the face that I couldn't even eat. So if I had, like, a sandwich, I used to have to nibble at it instead yeah. of, you know, being able to eat it normally. Um, and I just used to drink out of a straw because uh, if I had, um, you know, a tea or juice or what have you, I just used to drink it out of a straw because I just struggled so much and I just yeah. couldn't talk either. And then also one time it did actually, I lost hearing in one of my ears and uh, because it punched me so hard in the ear that I actually had, uh, I had lost uh, like 90% of hearing in my ear. So for like a few months, about three months, I couldn't hear out my ear. It was only when my son had a hearing, uh, had stuck kitchen bowl in his ear and um, he had an infection. And he got some antibiotics. So once he'd, he'd used it, it was clear and there's a little bit left. And I started using my antibiotics and it brought my hearing back. And that was just my son. But for a long time, I couldn't hear um, my left ear. Um, so back to the... Uh, sorry, when I talk, it always sometimes comes back to different stuff. And I think, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> and uh, so it's all a bit bad. Um, and then... So when I get back to like the 23rd of December, this yeah. was a Saturday, 2017, um, he told me that I need to go up and get changed just in case. Uh, so I, I went up, he said, so he just went, I said, went up and said, but he said, go up and sort yourself out. So I just sat there, looked in front of the makeup mirror and just thought, well, how the hell am I going to sort this out? I've got so much booze and I've not got enough makeup to even uh, do. I, I, this is beyond... Well, four hours later, you, mm. like, you must have been... I look like a corpse. I look like something out of uh, California. Wow. And it's like, how do you, you know, even, you know, do this? And then, and I've just thought, I need to get out of this house. So it actually been, it'd, uh, so... He was downstairs. I had no mobile phone at all, nothing. I could hear where he was downstairs. So I stumbled into the uh, front uh, bedroom, and it's like a terrace street that I used to live on. And I was going to write on a piece of paper, SOS call the police in bright red lipstick on a piece of paper. But I went to look, because I didn't want to write it down, and then he realised, you know, what you're doing. 
if he came up. So I looked to see if there was any neighbours who was in that could get their attention and then they could run the police, but nobody was in at the house which I was wanting, that I was directing it at. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it ended up, uh, so I thought that that plan's not going to work. I then went back to the children's bedroom and I thought, I'm, I'm going to try and escape here and try and ring, uh, get a neighbour to ring for the police. And what happened was I looked to see if I could get out the window. I opened the window up, but risk assessed it, and I would have had to have dropped down uh, probably about eight foot, something like that, um, yeah. to go to the next one. But also the dining room blinds was open, so we would have seen me drop down. Okay. And also yeah. because of the damage that I've already got as well, I was struggling walking anyway, so risk assessed it, but that's not going to happen. Uh. And then I ended up... Um, so then I thought, right, I'm just going to have to wait it out and wait until whether he goes out of the house to buy drugs or what have you, and then I'm going to have to ring the police and then or do something, get something. Uh, and then luckily, or he came up and then he went into the bedroom and then he carried on beating me again in that bedroom. Um, and then all of a sudden there was a knock at the door and I was so glad. And... Um, so he shot down the, the stairs behind me, and I always remember feeling his breath behind me as I was coming down the stairs, and he literally ran out the house and went through the back door, through the, through the kitchen back door, and left the house. So I locked the back door behind him. I went to the front and opened the door, and there was two police officers who were there, and they had, like, come. And he ended up... So what ended up happening was... They end up coming, uh, so he had gone, I let them in, and I said to the children, uh, I went back, I let them into the house, and I just remember walking to the, this is quite a surreal bit, I walked into the kitchen, made sure the, 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 the door was locked so he couldn't gain entry. I came back into the dining room, and I said to the children, please can you go upstairs and play on Xbox? So the children went upstairs, played on Xbox, and then... The police were just there, and I just said to him, uh, I started taking my clothes off. Uh, so I had a cardigan on, um, I had some, like, trousers on, like, some, like, um, capri pants on. I just started taking my clothes off, which is really quite a random thing to do, and just started showing him my bruises. And I just stood there and said, I think I'm a victim of domestic violence. And that's what I just said. It just come out that was the first time I've ever said it, and I admitted it to yeah. myself. And they just went and looked in absolute horror. Like, I literally looked like I'd be hit by a truck. And they said, um, they ended up saying, wow, uh, I have never seen anything like this in this 14 years of my job. Uh, or 14, 18, I can't, can't quite remember. Yeah. And they said, where is he? So I said, he's just left. He's just left out the back. And I said, I've locked that door so he can't come. And they said, right, what does he look like? So I gave him his passport so it had all his, you know, up-to-date photo and what have you on it. So they had this passport, and they then radioed through to get all the police officers in Doncaster looking for him. So every patrol officer was looking for him. So he was a wanted man. And they said, right, we need to get you out. So they got me and the children out of the house. They took us to a centre where it was at the headquarters, and we was waiting. Uh, so at that point, I just literally got the kids, just got in the house, uh, got in the car and went... 
and I sort of really was not feeling very well at all. And it turned out that that was actually medallion, to be quite honest. It was my yeah. organs packing up. Uh, got to the centre, and then uh, it came through on the radio because at that point the children was going to have to go into emergency accommodation, and they was actually going to be going to the other, like halfway down the country. So they've just oh. for the children, it would have been that they've just seen the witness their dad trying to kill their mom. And then they just whisk off to, and it wasn't even going to be that they're going to be together. They were just going to be put into hiding, these children, because they were high risk as well. And uh, so, they, but then luckily, I always remember it came over on the radio that they'd actually arrested him. And then the children were released to my parents' house, so that was really good. But then they got me to hospital. And if I had been any longer, they said if I'd been uh, four hours longer in that house, or even a couple of hours, two to four hours, I don't know, I'd have actually died in that house. Um, really? Yeah, because they said that, uh, they, that when I got to the hospital, they put me straight into, like, um, ICU, like, basically intensive care, and uh, they put me on this thing, they did an SK test, it is, it's to do with, basically, because I had so much bruising, your body releases a toxin, and this toxin actually gives you organ failure. So my liver and kidneys was overworking it, you know, to get your body to, you know, sort of yeah. bring down the swelling and the bruising. But it ended up over... Uh, but then your body can get damaged from it because of the overwork from the, the, the organs. So I was oh. at high, high risk of organ failure. but don't even know how I survived it on top of everything else. That day, I ended up um, going into... Um, yeah, that day I ended up going to have an MRI scan and I actually found out the extent of all my injuries and what were fresh ones, historic ones. And I actually had nine broken ribs, six spinal fractures, a broken leg, a broken arm, a broken shoulder, a broken form, and um, all the rips to my ear and my face. And then the high risk of organ failure with the 95% bruising of my body because it was 95. And so that was the state of my body, you know, from all this, the fact that there was all these historic and fresh breaks. Um, so I was in hospital then over Christmas for five days. And to be all honest, I've always said this, that was probably the best Christmas that I'd actually had for a long, long time. On death, on death door in hospital on death for door, five days. Yeah. And, and I was, you know. I mean, yeah, and everyone used to, like, the nurses in that hospital and all the staff was amazing. And they ended up, um, I mean, I've, 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 these people were like, I never had an stretched, especially in these times. And I was wanting to help him and, like, say, look, do you want me to make a, a, a cup of tea? And they're like, no, you look like you've been hit by a truck. You need to sit in there. And I was you, just... You just said 95%. I can't try to imagine 95% bruising. Yeah, I've got it, photos. Like, I've got know, police photos. You by a truck. I, I would think yeah, that yeah, people you could said, be hit by a truck and not get 95% bruising, you know what I mean? Oh, it's like, crazy. I mean, I know that I had one, and that was all stuff which doesn't come out of the photos on top. Because yeah. it's quite hard, but there's like the, the different ones, and the different scales of the different bruises and what have you. And I remember there was one, uh, there was a lovely gentleman who was in there, he was visiting his daughter, and he was an old man, and he was just sat there, and he was at the bed opposite me. He just came over to me, and he just went, what happened to you? Sorry, 
I can't stop looking at you, what happened to you? And I just, and, and he thought I'd been in a road collision, road traffic accident. Uh, and everyone overdoctored, like nurses were sat there crying right out in front of me. And they thought that, first thoughts was that they'd been hit by a truck. And I was like, no, uh, this is my husband who did this. And he just walked away. He started crying in front of me. He walked oh. away. The next day he came back and he, he got me a box of chocolate butter. Yeah. And he was just like, and it really upset a lot of people. And people now even say that they'll never forget when I came in. Um, and so I did that and then came out of hospital. Uh, I was interviewed in hospital uh, by the police. Uh, this is when I met um, the police officer who worked on my case, who's a detective on it, who was Stephen Barnes. He was absolutely a phenomenal police officer. Um, I had such a great... It, the police, everyone who worked on my case was absolutely outstanding. Uh, but, wow, but, but, you know, we went through hell and back on this case, and it was so yeah. good. So got out of hospital. It got to... Uh, January of 2018. So 2018 was a bit of a crazy year. So um, he was actually trying to get bail. He was actually arrested and charged. So he was on remand in prison. Uh, so then this is when social services went to see him, visit him in prison. And he actually said to social services that he was going to uh, kidnap the children and disappear when he comes out on bail. You don't tell that to social services, though, because they're going to stop you from coming out. It's not that clever. And there's no logic. Thinking Everyone. above anything. It's oh, yeah, total it's sociopath. Law. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely total sociopath. Total narcissist. Narcissistic person. Yeah, right. narcissistic sociopath. Uh, oh, yeah, you name it. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all, words, but I'm being polite. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so, and it just got a complete joke, uh, the whole thing, what he was doing. I mean, he'd ring up, he'd threaten people to, to get messages to me, wanting me to drop the charges, and that uh, you can get out so we can live a happy life together. It wasn't as... Yeah, my response was drop dead and go to hell. Yeah. And uh, so that carried on, and then he pleaded not guilty, so then we were going to all the... Um, the char In the end, we actually had 19 charges against him. We started off with something like eight, and then it ended up, I did another police interview, it got to 11, and then we did another police interview, it was something like eight, 19. It was stupid. Yeah. They even got to a point where, how much more do we have to throw the book at this guy? It's ridiculous yeah. what he's got going. So um, we ended up then uh, going through the court process. Uh, so he actually, in the end, he admitted to the violence because there was that much evidence against him there was no way that he could have done it yeah. apparently I fell down down cellar a few times and up downstairs and yeah. did all that and it's like not a chance right. so uh, he even come out with like with the ear he said that it had a scuffle and apparently my ear got stuck in the kitchen door and I ripped it off by accident. And it's like, I'm actually five foot one. I've had, and that's yeah. it, on, it was five foot four. I'd have actually jumped, put my ear through, <laughs> through the actual thing. Not going to happen. So it was just ridiculous, to be quite honest. Uh, so then we get, so then it was just before we were going to basically for court for the, um, the physical abuse, but also the rape and sexual assaults, which had took place. 
So he actually then pleaded guilty to, so he was actually GBH with intent that he was actually getting done for. He did plea bargaining, so then it got reduced to ABH. So he actually had a um, 16% reduction because he pleaded, you know, guilty to the physical one. But yeah. he didn't plead guilty to the sexual abuse and the rape charges. So right. that's what we actually, in the end, went to court for was for that. So court started end of August, uh, at a bank holiday weekend, um, in court. Uh, so I was at Sheffield Crown Court. So at first, sort of, uh, I was in on the Tuesday. I was actually due to go on holiday, so I had actually gone out. I had tickets to see Britney Spears. So there's no way that I was missing that opportunity. So I did court, and I actually always said to everybody who worked on my case that I did not want to go in with any special measures. I want, I didn't want no screens, get that video link, I wanted to be in the courtroom. I wanted to go in, look fantastic, and show that I look complete, and have that closure that I needed for him to see what I look like now and what I've achieved, what I've done and how I am to what, what, to what he left me as. So I knew where he was when I got told where he was at uh, in the courtroom. So I just walked in and made sure that I looked fabulous, went in and just stared him out. And just yeah. thought, and that whole look of, look what's going to happen now. Went in and court was amazing. I actually loved court. I was a bit gutted when they said no more questions. I was like, come on, throw some more at me. And uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved court. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. And um, couldn't fault it at all in the slightest. And so we ended up, it was literally, I'd been away on holiday. It was carried on court. Um, so I came back for when it was the verdict. So I was in the court, so we was in the courtroom uh, when it came to it. I was up in public gallery with the CID at, at Stephen Barnes, Barney, I was calling Barney for short. And uh, he actually, uh, he came, my ex-husband came out of the, where, where they say, where the little, the bit where they are, where that's yeah. like a little prison bit, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, he just came out and stared me out in court and I thought, oh, that's nice. And, uh, and it just shows what it's like. The fact that he's in the middle of Crown Court here and he's staring me out in court. It yeah. just sums them up. And um, then they started saying guilt. Uh, they, there was a couple of charges that they couldn't prove for a rape and sexual assault, but we got charges. We got the three charges that we needed, which were multiple rapes. He actually did rape me, uh, sorry, essentially assault me with the rolling pin, which he'd actually oh. tried to kill me with. So he got done for that one as well. And we got it. We got what we needed. So we came out of court uh, that day and they said that they need to really think about the sentencing on this. It was quite late on in the afternoon, so we got brought back the next day. Came back the next day and uh, we ended up, uh, we didn't quite know what it was gonna, what was going to happen. At, at the time, the police straight away, because they was watching the case on their files to find out, on the computer to find out what the decisions was, and as soon as I found guilty, guilty, they rang me up, who worked on that, the other police officers, just congratulating me, you know, the top people in police, and they said, did you know you actually only had a 5% chance of winning? They never told me that I only had 5% chance, because it's so hard, 5% to actually get a conviction against your partner. And I was glad that they didn't tell me before because I'd have been like, what, what's the point? We've got 5%. But yeah. they, I went for it and I won. And I'd always say to it, just go for it. Just, I, I mean, they always said that they never doubted that I would never turn up at court. 
Um, I did. I was like, I even said I'd camp outside court. And uh, so then he got to sentence him the next day and uh, it come out that he got 18 years in prison. 18 um, years. 18, yeah, we couldn't get over it. We was getting told anywhere from a year. Yeah. Where in this country we have half a sentence. So but yeah. we were like, Jodie, you're going to have to like escape in six months. You and the kids are going to have to just escape. Yeah. And anywhere from five years max. And then when we got 18 years, we nearly fell off a chair, we did, me and me at CID, we couldn't get over it. We are just like, whoa, do you know, let's go to, yeah, we had to go for a coffee afterwards because we couldn't even get our heads around. Yeah. We had to, you know, sort of, we just couldn't believe it, to be quite honest. And having a, such a huge figure, like, that's a massive figure. Yeah. Uh, they literally threw the book, the chair, desk, everything at him. And the what was the look on his face when they said 18 No remorse. No remorse in the side. Still no remorse. No. No, he's not done it, he hasn't, you know. He's, yeah, he yeah. thinks he's in there for a bunch of lies. But this is the whole thing. When you look at different cases, they never have remorse. It's like, literally, no. he was sat there in court, I was watching it, and I was ready to shout down and say, oh, we're talking about you. Do you know, he was too busy doing his nails, like, looking at really? his nails, scratching his skin. I mean, God knows what he had, he had scabies or something. Yeah. And he, he was just not bothered. It was like he was sat there bored in class. Not yeah. taking it in. The judge said at the end that uh, it was the most, in his 35 career, what he'd done, it was the most satanic thing that he had ever seen because it was that the rape that he did, she'd have been in an excruciating amount of pain because of the yeah. broken ribs and the spine. And doing that, he says, you're just pure disgusted. It is just, go uh, basically, you're just satanic. And he said it was just disgusted. And then we came out and we're just like, wow, this is insane. And I spoke to and uh, Stephen Barnes said, will you speak to people about this? I was like, yeah, of course I was, because I want to raise awareness of domestic abuse. I don't want anyone going through this what I've gone through. So I spoke with South Yorkshire Police Media um, about trying to make some kind of sense out of this crazy story. Because it is, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's mad. It really is. I yeah. can't, I mean... Some of the things that he did, I mean, one of the things I remember, I got a phone call from solicitors and he said that he wanted dining table. That would, uh, you know, but dining table, seven foot with six chairs. What's he going to do in his cell? It's cell six foot. And he wanted his car. Well, I'm going to drive out car park. Never going to happen. And it just got ridiculous. And yeah. you, you got to the point where people would not believe you, but it's all true. You know, it was just stupid. And then, um, so I did that with, so there was a piece that went out in South Yorkshire Police Media, it was called Hashtag Jodie's Story, and it went out, and it was like a diary extract over a few days of, like, the story, and it got a lot of attention. The day after, like, literally the day once it finished, um, I had a big news company, um, media company of the UK, come to me and say, will you do, uh, the Daily Mirror is interested, they want to do a story on it. I was like, yeah, no problem, more people that get better because I want like, people to, to, to learn from this and raise awareness of this thing, but I never knew what even happened, domestic abuse. So I, this is why I was so pro for the education about domestic abuse, this is why I do this. And it went in the Daily Mirror and it just, once it got printed, uh, it went out digitally, it just got shared so much. It was something like 4.7K shares. It was ridiculous. I was getting more than celebrities. And it was mad. And the attention that it got then, next day it went in other papers. It was on the front of our, uh, like, local paper. And it was everywhere. It just uh, Then it ended up going to different countries then, and it went viral around the world. 
and that was insane seeing, you know, that actually happen. Like your, your story in your face all in like Spanish. It was really strange. So that happened and then um so I never expected that and then I've been asked to do guest speakering, so I do guest speakering about it. So I was doing that last year and uh like that was what I was doing down in London when we first met each other down in London. Yeah. And uh, but one of the things what is really bad is that while all this was good that we got the eighteen years, his abuse never stopped because he financially abused me. So what actually happened was, when we were doing the court, he refused, it was when the whole trial was going off, I was trying to sell the house because we had a mortgage together. He refused to sign the house sale. So I actually lost four sales of the house. And then it got to the point where um, he got repossessed, uh, the house got repossessed. and, um, uh, And then I had to go bankrupt. But also bills like debt, like the financial side of it is a joke because bills, like um, bills which are in, like debt which is in both of our names, I was having to pay his share of it. Right. And then debt that he had like a loan or something for like a, like a, a loan company, I'd ring them up and tell them that he's currently busy in prison. They just write the debt off. So he was actually getting debt written off. And then bills, and then they come for me because I'm out. So I get in lumbered with all this debt. In the end, I had to go bankrupt. So I literally got made homeless. Uh, so the house got repossessed. Uh, I got made, it made, uh, I lost a lot of money each month. It was the house was incurring like £850 worth of charges. Yeah. Um, so I was getting an increasing amount of debt. Um, in the end, I had to go bankrupt. And it was something like £95,000 in the end, yeah. including the house. Yeah. So, and so I have to go bankrupt. It still affects me now because it's going to be six yeah. years down the line. It's going to affect me. I literally, only last week, I had to do it where I've had to, uh, they were going to, uh, I got a phone call where they were actually going to take my car. So I've got to be able to pay for my car because it's an asset. Right. So any, so it still goes on, I'm st- but the financial abuse of it is an absolute nightmare. And that's something that people don't ever think about. It's uh, they've, got to, they've got to do something about it, isn't it? That, oh yeah, because this tough. isn't this. This shouldn't be. It, it should be the other way round. The survivor should be supported, and the perpetrator should be yeah like um, convicted. It, it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So I'm getting abused again financially yeah. through the systems, and so it's like when it's ninety five whatever grand of debt, how the hell am I going to pay that? So I've had to go yeah. bank pay for going bankrupt and have the joys of bankruptcy and yeah. then it affects my credit score for six years and because of our lovely justice system that we have in our country they do half a sentence so um, even though he's got 18 years he'll be it's doing nine. nine years inside he's, uh, he's due out six years um, so it'll be like September in six years time and I've had it where people said well Jody you're going to have to uh, move because he's yeah. where you are and I'm like no I am not moving I'm refusing no. because I will not have that man you know have it yeah. where he's affected my life and my kids this is it I am not there's, there's actually got to be a point where you say no I'm not doing it yes I will have a lot of security I've got all plans in place for that I ain't moving because no. you know not having it you know He's took enough of my life, you know, he's not doing the rest of it, you know, 
it'd be more of an idiot if we did it because it'll be break. I mean, he's already broken. Um, he, I've got all protection orders, like non-molestation orders, restraining yeah. orders, different what have you. Their lifetime ones, they will not go. And it, it was only last year he sent me a letter from prison, uh, uh, the prison to send a letter for me uh, asking me to take kids in to see him to prison. <laughs> and it, it just gets an absolute bloody joke, to be quite honest. And uh, so it breaks up. If it, How if did it, they get it, that to you? How did he, in spite of all them orders? Because they, sh- it was unfortunately, but they, there's actually no contact order. It should have got stopped from the prison. However, it, it slipped through right. the net. Yeah, but right, unfortunately, right, right. it's just not fair because the prisons, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, they're fab. But yeah. it's the fact that they are so big. I mean, like this whole thing with like the, the cuts to different services, they're struggling. And yeah. do you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's an error. That's it. It shouldn't have happened. It's not yeah. cool. However, everybody is on a shoestring budget and yeah. things happen. So it is, it, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, shouldn't have to happen to you, though. No, this is it. It just, uh, well, yeah. if something's going to happen, it'll happen to me. So I'll get used to it, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, so it's like now what I do is, um, I'm so, I think, I'm, I, I think that, I look at it, look back and think the education. If I was educated in domestic abuse, it should be done in schools. Everybody should be taught about it. In schools, we have it where you're taught about sexual health, uh, alcohol, gambling, drugs. Why are we not talking about health relationships? Yeah, we do healthy relationships, but they're too sugar-coated for me. Not being funny, but I'd rather, I don't want them, it needs to be more age appropriate not just uh, oh we should be doing this oh this is this, you know yeah. nice in us Disney Disney's not that you know no n- do you know what I mean and that's something that I'm very pro for if I had had that education when I was at school I would have seen the warning signs and the flags and the red flags of what and I think for. you're right I think the message has to be strong oh yeah definitely to get through you know because yeah, young kids are, are very resilient um, mm-hmm Oh, I think yeah, I definitely. told you about my friend Paul Hannaford, who's been on the podcast and goes to schools and talks about drug culture and gang culture and oh yeah, nasty culture know, as well, yeah, yeah. And he he but he can because he has been through it and he's been through exactly. all of that life. And yeah, he's got a horrific story, you know. And like yeah. my daughter came home from school and said like she she had him he had her in tears and he always has kids in tears, but. People would say it's not fair, but it, it, it gets the message Yeah, through. because it, sometimes that, you've you know, got to have that, without a doubt, yeah. because it's like not being... Uh, I, I've had it where people will actually not want to publish my story because it's still horrific, and try and Disney-fight it and sugarcoat it, and I won't right. have it because I think, well, no, it actually happened. Why should I not say the truth, what actually happened? You know, and, you know, and it's not justifying it to myself, actually, what no. happened. I'm not, you know, and I'm never, you know, going to, sh- you know, sugarcoat it because it's, no. it's, it is what it is, you know. You can't. You can't, you can't do it's that. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. Yeah, um, this is it. I'm know, not going to say, oh, he hit me yeah. just a couple of times and, oh, it was just right. Yeah. It bit, I was hit by a feather. No, it's not going to happen. No. no, I got it. No, I got it by rolling pin plenty of times. So yeah, it bloody hurts. So uh, that's what people need to be aware of. This got is a, it. You know, it's got. A, we've got. A, it's unfortunately never going to stop. Right, homelessness is never going to stop. Exactly. Never going to stop. But we've got to do everything in our power 
to reduce it. That's yeah, what, this is that's it. all we can hope to do. Definitely, and this is why, uh, like with us, I've found that in like different services, there's not people who've trained. It shocks no. me that there's people who's supposed to have domestic abuse training who's not trained in domestic abuse, but they're dealing with people in domestic abuse. Solicitors, yeah. judges, certain police officers, uh, because they have so much that they've got to do, and yeah. um, teachers for when children are seeing things, all yeah. sorts of things. I just personally think that every person should have it, do you know, as yeah. much as they can do. Get people, I mean, uh, sorry, like, do you know, like, have you have these lone people who come to your house and give you, you know, little old lady who's retired and she's got, and she'll, like, wangs out 500 quid out of the bag. She wouldn't have a yeah. clue when they came to, there was one lady who came to mind. Not being funny, but if she come, if, if you actually had the experience, it was, it was like a big spotlight on it, and we didn't see it. Yeah. And then I just, and then oh, it was in my name, so I've got like five hundred quid for that. So it is, it's one of those how it works, and it, people need to be educated on it. This is why me and my friend, who's a survivor as well of high risk as well, we've actually doing, um, we've, we're developing a teaching program. Um, about domestic abuse um, from a survivor's point of view. So what we say, because we are experts and experiencers, so this is what we're doing now, and we're launching in September. We were doing some work with um, our local college. However, because of lockdown, uh, they were doing some um, domestic abuse films for us. Um, yeah. like, cause we were finding that when we were doing research at, there's a lot of films where, unfortunately, they're not hard-hitting enough and we really wanted it hard-hitting. So that's what we were trying to do, as much as we could push the boundaries. Because I'm all one for pushing boundaries. And uh, it was, but unfortunately, it had to get postponed due to yeah. lockdown, but this will be carrying on afterwards. Of course. And what, um, what, so what, what effect is it having... You know, because I've heard different things. What's because you you know and you speak to the right. Yes. You speak to people. Uh, what, what is happening in lockdown? What what what's happening to the statistics first, and things? First of all, what I want to say is, my God, those people who are in lockdown at the moment, who are in a domestic abuse relationship, hats off to you. You are legends. You are absolutely you're warriors because it's hard enough as it is generally, but then you're having to deal with that. I'd love to meet somebody who's leaving, who's left it. At, an abusive relationship in this lockdown period because they are absolutely outstanding. We always say it's like walking on eggshells with lock, uh, with uh, like coercive control and living in that environment anyway. But as it is now, it is like walking on glass. That is the only way that we can say it because they can't go out. There's a, at the moment, they've got this where with refuges, they are full. They've got nowhere to go, unfortunately. Uh, I know that the same that they'll get help, uh, but it's not going to happen. Um, this two million that came through from the government the other week, wow, that was just an insult in a big way. No one's really impressed with that inflation. I don't even cut it. We're talking billions. But it cost the NHS and it cost um, police. It's just ridiculous. I mean, two million, not chance, do you know? Probably end up 50 pence a service or something gas like that. Um, yeah. And it's just a joke. I mean, the other thing is that they've asked me about, um, it came out that traffic to the National Domestic Abuse Helpline has actually increased by 156%. That is run by refuge. Now, people are not leaving. 
because what they are doing, and this is what I believe they're doing, is they're sitting tight, they're pacifying abusers, whether it's male, female. When I say abusers, I never just think, oh, yeah, all men are abusers. No, yeah. it's, I see an, a, an abuser, perpetrator as a silhouette, whether it's yeah. man, woman, you know, teenager, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever LGBT, it is what it is. They've got no gender gender bias, um, it is just a person, you know, because I support yeah. everybody, me, uh, female, men, children, animals, whatever you name it, I support yeah. it, yeah. an alien, anything. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it is, it's, and it's like, there was an, in, so I think that what they're doing is they've actually got this increase of 156% because they are educating themselves on how to get out. Yeah. And then when lockdown comes up, they'll be out and this is when it's going to be an absolute nightmare because you're going to have so many people fleeing um, but, but not a nightmare for them but a nightmare for services and everything else yeah. from the government um, 40, there's been a 46% rise in searches for what is domestic abuse that's another one do you know the fact that 46% because you want to know actually what, what is the signs of domestic abuse 64% search for uh, domestic violence shelters that's gone up because they're trying to find out, they're trying to educate themselves on what it is before they go. And uh, when it comes to domestic abuse, it doesn't have to be physical. This no. is uh, why people say what's the difference between domestic abuse and violence. I personally prefer to use domestic abuse because it covers everything. Because it can cover physical abuse, emotional abuse, coercive control, sexual abuse, financial abuse, and forced marriage and on a base FGM as well. Which is yeah. female genital uh, genital mutilation. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's awful, that bless them. And yeah. it is, it's it's horrible. And it's like the other day I was finding out about Zoom. Uh, this, uh, everyone's gone on to Zoom. They're yeah. doing forced marriages through Zoom. Oh, it's like, come on, you know. And that's the thing. Perpetrators are using COVID nineteen as an excuse and an actual yeah. tool for abusing people further. Of course. Like they would the, always use any opportunity. Oh, you And if it's an becomes an opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah. I've got to the point, unfortunately, where nothing surprises me. The stuff no. that I've heard and what they've done, different perpetrators, whether it's male, female, what the hell you are, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. It really doesn't. I'd like to have something that surprises me, but it doesn't. I just think, wow, what else are they going to ever do? It's just insane. It really is. But, uh, I mean, like, if, I, if somebody asked me, what the worst form of abuse was, I'd probably actually say the coercive control, because that's absolutely horrible. Yeah. Not having control of your life, stopping you from eating, sleeping. I was controlled when I slept. How, if I was allowed to go to the toilet, um, what I could eat, uh, what you thought. And I was very lucky. I went to the cinema before the whole lockdown of the cinemas. I went to see a brilliant, amazing film called The Invisible Man. That portrays um, coercive control. Absolutely amazing. Right. Such a good, damn good film. And I was lucky. I went to see it three times, to be quite honest. And I love the <laughs> fact that it was the first time that I'd ever been to the cinema. And I was there with my friend, who's a survivor as well. Uh, and we were just like, oh, my God, that's really good, you know. That's, and people were wanting to talk to us. It was like weird. That was yeah. like beacon a light on us, and we're like, yeah, that's who we are. And it was, but I love the fact that I went to the cinema and it opened that topic of conversation. So when that yeah. film finished, people was like, wow, I would not like to be in that relationship. And I just, yeah. I just, well, actually, I was, you know, we was. 
you know, um, and it was it was interesting how it's perceived on a big screen, and it was absolutely stand up job. Could not fault yeah. it. Brilliant, brilliant. Only thing is, there were enough bruises. I did spot, spot that because she was getting attacked, and that and there wasn't enough the makeup. She needed more bruises because she'd just been hit by all this and thought bruises. The only thing that I could say. Yeah. But other than that, everything since. Even to a point in the transformation, because that's one thing that I found with myself. You go through those, when you leave, you go through this evolution process. And I started to change my look straight away. I literally got out of hospital. The next day, I had had all my hair ripped out. It was in a bob at the time. And oh. it was all just ripped out. It was in a stage, you know, my hair, I couldn't get mad. I couldn't go to the hairdressers. Um, yeah. Also, that's why I do think hairdressers and beauty therapists should have training because they will come into, into contact with so many people. Yeah. I mean, domestic abuse affects one in four women and one in six men. So I always, but yeah, it's crazy. So there's always yeah. probably somebody you know who's experiencing it. Mm. And do, like hair and beauty people, wow, you know, they've got a big insight. Even if they're doing people's nails or hair and then you've got the phone ringing all the time. Or do you know yeah. constantly? Oh, you hear yeah. I had a salon for thirty years, and and I've and and you know, and you see the guy come in and watch what they're paying and all that sort of thing, and oh, God. you'd hear it, you know, just all sort of unsaid comments of, oh no, he likes my head long, and he like he likes yeah. this, he likes that, and you, you know, you often pick up these little clues. Yeah, you do. How long you gonna someone bear? Someone would just just break down. Sometimes mm. you just, they'd just break down and tell it's you. It's a you know, ask, it, are you okay? And then yeah. like. No, I'm not. Yeah, and then know, that's it. And then it's like, like everything. Like, uh, you're, how are you doing? You're like, I don't look the same yourself. Dang it. It's come out. You know, and, I, and since I've been doing haircuts for homeless, I've, I've cut many women's. Because we, we, like, we, we talk a lot about homeless things we go to, but we don't always sort of say so much about when we're in the women's refuges and that, because they're, yeah, yeah. they're often safe houses. And I've, yeah, I've yeah. done so many women's hair. And, and you know, like... Seeing the results of, you know, if they're fresh in somewhere and, and try to make the best of what's happened to their hair. Exactly. I did that. I rang up with the um, hairdressers and said, look, this is the yeah. going to be faced with. And yeah. she warned, forewarned them. And they were just like, wow. And even now, say, so I'll never forget that day you came in. Yeah. And, um, oh, but even something like a haircut. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, literally, I had all my haircut off, so it was short. And yeah. people didn't even recognise me. I mean, I was meeting uh, Barney, Stephen Barnes, outside the house. And yeah. I always remember, um, he, he literally seen me in hospital the day before. He come, I would have to meet him at the house for some crime scene, something or other, to get some, I think yeah. it was for getting the only pin actually, to be honest. And uh, I met him, and uh, he walked by me, and I shouted at him. I was like, oi, you, what are you doing? Why are you being, why are you being rude? And he went, oh my, yeah, I didn't think you were going to get it. And he went, oh my, and I remember this to the day, he always, he just stepped back and went, oh my God, it's you. And I was just, I've been made of his life ever since, bless him. And I I goes, and I just said to him, I goes, uh, and he goes, it's you. And he just stepped back from me and got his camera phone out of his pocket and uh, took a photo of me. I was like, what are you doing, Pat? And uh, what happened there? And he just went, uh, and he sent a photo of me to the police officer who found me at the house, and just like, wow. And he went in and spoke to crime scene who was doing all dusty at and everything. And yeah, this woman's ridiculous. She says she was in hospital. I saw her yesterday, look at her now. And I had no clothes. All the clothes that I had, I can't stress enough, I looked like the last survivor from a horror film. 
and um, the clothes that I had was all ripped. There was blood on them. He'd ripped all my clothes. I had no clothes. Police was amazing, and uh, they gave me some clothes. And it was great. I loved it. And it's like now I like doing things that I could not do yeah. because I can. I appreciate but, them. Yeah. The freedom. Appreciate the freedom. I love of freedom. It. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Freedom is the best gift that you can ever have. It's amazing. Yeah. If it's something that, you know, that you see that you can, like, if you went shopping, you know, um, then, and you want it, you can have it. And yeah. there's no time limit. I used to have a time limit in Primark. I mean, come on, t- 10 minutes in Primark. <laughs> Not if it's going to happen, is it? When you're getting cashed out as well. So yeah, I could, treat yourself I could... out your 20 quid budget that you had. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember um, it was social services. A lady from social service took me, uh, this is right, we're going to take you shopping. I was like, oh, wicked, really? And they're like, yeah. And this is, you've got 50 quid to get shopping. I was like, I'll do it in 10 minutes. And she saw me, and I was watching the time, and she goes, well, we can be as long as you want. I was like, no, 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 uh, because I, I, I need to get it done. I need to, you know, do this really fast. And yeah. I did, and she'd never seen And literally, I went to Primark, and she says, I thought I took you to Disneyland. Yeah. How excited you were. And I just went to my juice to clear section, just got a load of stuff like two quid. And loved yeah. it. Got a full water about it, because I'm going to get out right now. <laughs> and I just, because I can do it, and uh, and it was great. And it's like, but now I do have stuff where I'm like conditioned. So one of the things that I do is, that, and everyone mentions it, I apologize a lot. I always say sorry yeah. a lot, because I was so used to it. And like, I'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry. And yeah. they're like, you don't need to say sorry. You don't need to say sorry. And it's like, sorry that I spoke too much. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Tell me that, you know, the, the interview yeah. went a lot longer That'll than it really should It takes time, and yeah. this is it, but I'm a completely different person um, now. I'm very, I take no crap. I really don't. I'll no. say what I think. Yeah. Uh, I've got no filter. I always say that, that I lost my filter yeah. back in court. And I'll say, and what I, what I, I it just doesn't connect. <clears throat> so I'll just say it as it is. And then I think afterwards, oh, wow, really, should I have said that? And I think, oh, no, sod it, you know. Yeah. I, I just I just say it and just think I'm not you know being all I, I just say it how it is to be quite honest even if it gets me into trouble it does but oh well worse things can happen and I think it's because you go to death when you've yeah. been so close to death and yeah. you end up there thinking because I'll be honest I'm always honest that that day on the 23rd of December I nearly got died twice I yeah. thought about um, what it out I was thinking contemplating suicide I will be honest and this is yeah. another reason why there's a lot of thing about um, which is quite unfortunate that when people commit suicide that's not actually put down as a domestic abuse statistic no no, no, so that's not even included. They just say, oh, yeah, it's suicide. But no, it was just domestic abuse that led to the suicide. Yeah. Same as people who may have heart attacks or strokes, that it can be the domestic abuse that made them yeah. have a heart attack or a stroke. And then the cause of death would be stroke or heart attack. Yeah. But it actually wasn't. It was domestic abuse. So this is it. We have these all these figures, but are they actually real? Because there, there's lots of things where people don't include it. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. it in alcoholism. We have it where, you know, like, it, the alcoholic death is registered if someone dies of cirrhosis. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, it causes so many other things. The, the, often the liver is the last thing that goes because, uh, you know, it, it it can be the nervous system, heart attacks, cancers, that yeah, they yeah. can be brought on by the misuse of the body throughout yeah, the yeah. system. And yeah, then, yeah. And then the suicides and the knife fights 
and the car accidents and the, you know they're all alcoholic deaths. Yeah, yeah. So you know you can get the figures from the government for deaths by alcoholism, mm-hmm. and you can put a note on the end or possibly two. Yeah, this is and it. This is and what all... you're saying with yours, isn't it? it? Yeah, they all they're quite interlinked as well. Really, like talking alcohol because that's the thing. They'll say, oh yeah, she's she's. They've just turned to drugs, they've just turned to alcohol. But they don't, yeah. they turn to it as an escapism for what they've been going through. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that they do, do you know, is they turn to something like that, almost like, yeah. is it, is it, well, it is, it's escapism. So, yeah. it's, no. and then they'll just look at them and say, oh, yeah, they're just, they're just, uh, it's like, time. no, it's actually a real person. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a real person, this person. They've been through tragedy, yeah. do you know. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a funny old world because they are very interlinked. All these and it stems out. Yeah, well, mine started off with my my start. Mine started off with alcoholism. Uh, mm-hmm. My my recovery, my recovery led to me wanting to help others, which was helping others with alcoholism. That's awesome. That went to the first time I cut some homeless people's hair at the place where I used to do talks for alcoholism. Wow. Um, and then just that but one session of cutting hair led me to the next five and a half years of my life. Oh, you know, yeah. haircuts for homeless, which has then led me to spin off with um, women's refuges and all these things. And it sort of, it just unfolds that all of these things yeah. are through the weakness of people. Um, yeah. The, the, the duality of people, the dark and the light, and um, just doing the best you can, you know, and people like you are a massive help to people who are going through something because they'll recognise one aspect and it, it's like, you know, it's like what floor, if you think of it as a tower block, what floor do you want to get off at? You know, exactly. if you say, if you, if, say like for, turn it upside down and we all start off on the top floor, like, mm-hmm. do you want to go down to the basement or do you want to get off halfway down, you know? That's like, not right. Do you want to be a Jody or a Stuart, you know, who, who had to go right to the bottom exactly. before they changed? Or do you recognise, recognise and accept part of our story and feel ready to get off a, you know, before it gets that bad? You, yeah. You know? And hopefully Definitely. that's what we can do with our stories. You know, we can just say, look, don't let it get that bad. Exactly. You know, recognise it earlier. Um uh, and, and the, the work you do, and uh, I know you'll continue to do for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is it. I don't feel like I've got any other... After, because, like, I was beauty therapy, trained makeup. I yeah. cannot do that job anymore due to my injuries that I yeah. have. I struggle a lot with pain of my yeah. back. It's horrendous. It's well, at the moment, it's right bad with lockdown. I don't know why, but it's really bad at the minute. And I'm on loads of pain pillars, absolutely... Yeah. And I'm dependent on them. I cannot, you know, go without those painkillers. And I also have post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, My three children have post-traumatic stress disorder as well. Yeah, this is it. And it's like, this affects the children in so different ways. My eldest son is 14. And he deals with it. He's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it happens, you know. Is just yeah. quite chill. He's very resilient. Uh, yeah. My eldest son is great. Then my youngest son, who is uh, he's nearly eleven, which is scary. He's yeah. um, he doesn't talk about it. He no. he bottles it all up. He gets very upset. Uh, he does wet the bed as well. He probably hates the sound that, but it does. 
Exactly, because this is the end yeah. of the day, and it's like, you know, I just end up thinking, what well, government's not putting any money into sod it, we'll do it ourselves, because we've got it's ways of making Oh, you know, that's too right. You can't wait okay. for that to happen. We have to make it happen. As exactly. A, as, a, as a community, we have to make these things happen. And we can't one, wait. Exactly. And one of the things I do want to say as well is that um, don't ever look at my story and think, well, you know what, it, 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 it's not like that. You know, I've not had that. Well, mine's just a batshit crazy story, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So never look at it and think, yeah, but it's not as bad as hers. No, mine's just like at the other end of itself. Mine's just stupid, to yeah. be quite honest. You haven't got there yet. That's no, the thing, isn't that's it? it. You've not got you there yet, got but you can do. Yet. You will be in a... Don't let it go that far. Yeah, get you out. don't want to... Get, get, get the change done before you get to that. Exactly, definitely. Yeah. So I don't want anyone looking, people can look and say, oh, yeah, but yeah. Mm, am I, am I not? You know, abuse is yeah. abuse. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're just stupid like my story yeah. or it is on a different level. You don't yeah. want to get to that. So that's what I just wanted to sort of say. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening to me. No, thank you so much. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll, let's get this out there. What well, awesome, that's brilliant. Definitely. Thank you for talking to me. Cheers, thank see you later. Bye. Bye. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.